1: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden,
2: Colorado. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. Automatically. Dollar for dollar. With no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that?
1: Alright guys, welcome. This is Chessie Hour. Um I don't know who kind of organised this right bang in the middle of Love Island, but that was the wrong move. But I've been joined here by Meads. What's up, Meads? What's going
2: on? What's going on?
1: Um, we've also got, you recognise, uh, Mbappe. Yo, um, guys. I'm Daniel Soff, and we've got someone that hasn't been on the podcast before. We've got Joe Tweeds. Hey, guys. Cool. Um... So, yeah, I guess, obviously, this is going to be the first of the club-specific pods. Um, and, obviously, this is for Chelsea fans. So, I know, like, we've got the, um, the new season to look forward to, but I thought we'll do a quick review on um, what happened last season, obviously with Sari Ball and all that type of stuff. So, Joe, just because, I guess, most people haven't heard your opinion on it. So, was you happy with Sari coming in? And so, like, that was coming into last season. And what did you think, generally, um, what do you think of him now? And what, how he we done?
3: Yeah, I think I was I was probably one of the people that were quite excited by him by him coming in last summer. Um, you know, his Napoli side were, were very good. It's difficult to to win titles in Italy, you know, if you're not sort of managing Juventus. So I think I was I was quite optimistic. I'm, I'm a big fan of sort of 4-3-3 anyway. So it was quite, uh, yeah, it was going to be interesting for me to see how it kind of pad, sort of panned out. And I think over the course of the season, I mean, just into sort of the pod in general, I kind of agree with with quite a few of the opinions that were made, that it was sort of the the inflexibility of, of Sari, the the kind of sticking to some underperforming players, the, the fact that he he maybe could have gone to, to, to players like Reuben, maybe Callum, uh, and if he was a little bit earlier, sort of before it was kind of forced upon him a bit.
0: Yeah. And
3: towards the end of the season, I, I, I kind of felt that, you know, it was sort of thanks for the, you know, thanks to kind of the, the third place finish, thanks to the Europa League, but... Yeah, it, it felt kind of a little bit odd stylistically with, with Chelsea and it, it didn't feel to me like it was something that we'd, we, we'd made kind of a sideward step more rather than a big step forward, I think, in terms of the, the football that we were playing. So, yeah, it was it was just one of those things for me.
1: So, this is just a general question to the, to the whole cast. Like, how do we think Sorry, done? I know, like, Meads, I know you, you hate Sarri. Um, I know, Pallum, you actually said that you're a City fan last season. You actually kind of, <laughs> you actually disowned Chelsea, like, but so like said, my whole thing well,
0: is said, okay. Let go, let, let put, let Pels go first. I'd, I'd say that um, that was more of like a, a, a just a disconnect with us, and more than a, a a love of Pep as opposed to City as a whole. Mm, um, okay. But like, and obviously that was also a joke. Yeah, it was in um, jest. In jest. But, it was in jest. Uh, in jest, but um, I just think with um, I think sorry done okay. I would say like a seven point five across the year that's however, good
1: isn't it that's 7.5 yeah. is really good
0: I think I think, he's a, I think he's had a very decent first season mm. like in kind of absolute terms yeah. however how I've seen it and how like a lot of the things that I enjoy about football and a lot of the things um, that I value in the game and I, I value in coaches I don't think he had them let's go so through because it of
1: let's go through some of the things that you feel like you, the reason why you kind of turned away from Sarri
0: um, I'd say the main thing is meritocracy, yes. like not having that element or that as a facet in how he picks his team. It's
1: mad. Um, it's so, so mad.
0: Like, I'd say that um, the fact that it's I, I, what, I, what I want, sorry, to, to get out of or get people away from is this idea that me personally or like, I feel like generally speaking, that there's this view that people just want the kids to play. Yeah. I don't really care about whether you're a kid or not. I just want the person that's the best person to play, mm-hmm. exactly. And if and if they're not playing well, whether it's a kid or a thirty-year-old, that then there is like rotation. So I think that was the main thing for me that we had a rep, like a consistent um, use of the same players, or was yeah. thirteen players that weren't performing, yeah. and it took like forever before players outside of that thirteen could even get a sniff. And when they did perform well, it took, it was a lot easier for him to kind of slip them out than it was for you know that core thirteen. Yeah. Um, so that, so meritocracy is definitely a big thing, and I definitely say that kind of um, the inflexibility that like Joe mentioned is also a big thing for me.
1: Yeah. So obviously, Joe's mentioned that he's. I think Joe alluded to the fact that he's happy. Sorry, he's gone. I think Palumi echoed that. Meads let the tingle because obviously everyone knows your opinion. <laughs> um.
2: You know what? so when when he first got announced I was actually talking to Joe about this um I said Joe I'm not sure I'm not sure this tactic him not being flexible is a big worry for me so I already had I was already on edge and um I think I told you Dan as well I was like "Mm, this is going to be an issue um because in terms of squad his squad utilisation was always going to be poor um and it just turned out to be the case. It was mm. annoying um, because I liked his idea of football mm. and how he wants the game to be played. But <sighs> the execution wasn't even as bad But <laughs> I expected it to take some time. Mm. But it's just the stubbornness. I don't think we've had a manager that stubborn. I think he is definitely the most stubborn manager we've ever had. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think there's been a single manager that has refused... To, to move away, not even just from his ideals, but just just change players if if players aren't performing. Yeah, like
1: I just that's the main thing. That's like what what Palumi said. How how the the fact that you're not, it's not meritocracy. The fact that you can be playing poor and he'll stick, that's a red flag.
2: Yeah, I, I find that. That was crazy. That was crazy. And obviously, when the young players were coming in, and in, not even just improving what we had, but just lift the entire entire match entire fans because obviously fans started to get on sorry's back because from time when management and of other clubs and other fans recognise your substitutions and exactly what time they're going to be happening mm. you're in deep deep trouble yeah, for and real it real. just kept happening yeah. every single week Kovacic for Barkley every single week Barkley for Kovacic every single week it was the same thing yeah. and I was thinking what on earth is going on and it's not that any of those substitutes were making a difference and
1: you hate both of those <laughs> players as well
2: for me they're both squad players and I've already said you guys know what my thoughts are on um, Chelsea buying squad players yeah. um, we've, got, we've, we've perfectly got enough okay. in our academy to you to, to fill out those spots so, I, yeah,
1: so sticking, just, to, sticking to Sari um, so Palumi gave it a 7.5 just in isolation of what he'd done for that season what would you say out of 10 and then Joe I'll get back to you as well
2: Um, out of ten, I'd probably give it a six point five slash seven. Actually, no, I'll give him a seven. Yeah, but
1: you did say that. Sorry, was our worst manager ever.
2: Uh, I guess that was before the part. You see, so in terms of that, I'd say the most stubborn manager ever. Mm. Um, obviously not worse because he did bring a. (sighs) It's hard to say star because it wasn't fully shown. Um, but you could see where he was going. Mm. Um.
1: Two
3: finals.
2: Definitely not the, the worst ever, but definitely the most frustrating manager we've ever had. I could say that right. no qualms.
1: And, then, and Joe, what would you say out of ten? Seven?
2: Maybe a seven. I think the interesting
3: thing for me was if you'd have flipped, let's say, our form round for the year, because we started pretty well, you we know, that's great, first yeah. the first and of month of decent. If you'd have flipped that around and, and that, that was sort of how we ended the season, he probably would have been seven and a half, eight, you know, the progression that was made. I think the thing for me was that I kind of thought as the season went on, we were kind of getting sort of progressively worse. And then we obviously added a kind of little uptick of form at the end. But the fact yeah. that it was this sort of kind of downward curve for me, probably a six and a half, seven. Um, oh. You know, it's one of those things, if, if you look at what we did, what we won, league league finishes, you know, obviously winning another European trophy. Mm. On the face of it, you could go seven and a half, eight. But looking a little bit below the surface, for me, probably a six and a half, seven.
1: So I'm going to say that he had a strong, like, even maybe like, yeah, so seven seven to eight. The reason why is just because obviously he won a big trophy. Um, not a big trophy, but he won a trophy. And obviously he was in the final. Um, and we finished third. And I feel like we did play good football. I think we did have a blip in the middle of the season. But I think we were top four for most of the season. For most of the season, we were actually top four. Um, we did start really strong. People forget that. And again, we ended strong. So just in absolute, forget about my thoughts on the craziness that he's done in terms of um, dropping, like, even when we're talking about young players when they came in, Hudson would come and have a good game and then he'd drop him without even, like, there would be no bad performances from Hudson. He'd just drop him because, obviously, I don't know. I I just don't understand it. But I feel like, in general, obviously, we're going to look beneath the surface. Even decisions like bringing Higuain in when he wasn't performing at Milan and even the fact that he keep, he kept on targeting players that he used to have um, managed, that just shows how kind of narrow-minded he is. I like managers that kind of stick to their ideals because they've hired that manager for his brain, so they shouldn't really be outsourcing their decisions to what people say on Twitter or, or like, all that type of stuff. But yeah, yeah. Um, he's. I think he's just old, you know. When you're old, you don't change your ways. When you're old, you just like, this is what worked for me, this is what I'm going to be doing. But um, so... So I guess my next question is, um, obviously, we've had a lot of Brexit fans. You know, I'm not talking about just Brexit, Sean, but in general, like the toxic atmosphere they kind of created, that's almost kind of fitting in with the kind of Brexit Britain and all that type of stuff. So my whole thing is, obviously now Lampard's coming in, we'll talk about Lampard. What would Lampard, do you first and foremost, do you feel like the fans could turn against Lampard? And what would it take? For that to happen, and that's to all of you guys.
2: So in terms of feels, um I think Lampard see again, I I, I kind of stated where I'm at in terms of Lampard's appointment. Um I'm happy because not just this not not only because it's Lampard, but it's the whole vibe he brings with him. And also the team he's bring with him. So I always said Lampard, yes, but only if he comes with Jody. Hmm. Because I always knew that Lampard, Lampard, as as much as he is the, you know, Chelsea legend, and obviously I'm happy to have him back. But the brains behind the operation, um, especially at Derby, um, was definitely Jody Morris. So do you know that for <clears>
1: sure, <throat> though. Jo- do you know? For sure? do you know for sure it's Jody that's the brains behind it?
2: Well, he's the coach. Um, in terms of experience in the game Lampard just started his badges I believe a year and a half ago two years ago mm. no he finished his badges a year and a half ago um, and he didn't have any coaching experience until Chelsea brought him in under Jody um, so I'm fairly sure that's yeah. the case but it's not to say that Jody does everything and Lampard just got no input of course not yeah. but I think Jody's style is probably very similar to what Lampard wants to achieve so you know, it's almost like Sir Alex Ferguson and Carlos Queiroz. you know, you just, you let the coach, if it, if their philosophy is aligned with yours, you let them take the reins out and that's what I think happens yeah. in their situation, in their set-up, but you know what I, I, f- can't, I can't be 100% certain.
1: The reason why I'm asking this is because I feel like if if Lampard does well, everyone's going to give the credit to Jody Morris. If he flops, everyone's going to go at Lampard.
2: Um, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think a lot of people are going to give Lampard the credit, whether whether he does well or not. I don't think it's. I think the buck will always start with, with all fall on Lampard. I don't think it will just go. The credit will just go to Jody. I, I I completely doubt that because I think a lot of Chelsea fans don't see the appointment as a you know a Jody Morris, you know it's Jody Morris's team. It's, it's Lampard at the end of the day. So I think.
1: It's crazy because any any time you ask a Chelsea fan about the Lampard appointment, they are so quick to bring up Jody Morris. Every single one, every single Chelsea fan, they're like, "Yeah, Lampard, but it's really Jody Morris."
2: But I think that's generally because they know that what Jody's achieved at the club with the lower level, for the youth team. Oh. I think there's it, almost a a trust um, with him, whereas Lampard's
0: relatively an unknown. What, what about you that What about Palumi?
1: What, what's your thoughts on it?
0: <clears throat> um do I think that fans could turn on Lampard yes I do think that just because I feel like if it if it could if it ever got to a situation where it was it was dire that's what I'm um, saying how bad
1: how bad is it
0: gonna how, it have to get um well I think he's got a year grace because of the transfer ban yeah 100 I, I feel like people people were still given sorry um grace in that. It felt like some people some anyway, it felt like if he had another transfer window to get his players, well that is like the kind of the the standard case with a lot of football fans these days. Yeah. But I've seen Arsenal fans kinda of back in Emory still. Um and just this this belief or willingness to give managers time. Yeah. Um yeah. So with with that in mind, I feel like Lampard has that will have that naturally, but also the fact that there is a transfer ban imposed on the club. It means that, depend unless unless we you know finish maybe outside of the top six. Yeah, I can't see fans getting on his back this what? year. Do what? do you so do you actually because I do you think it's
2: only a year's grace for Lampard? I think he might have more. To be honest,
0: potentially, potentially, I'd I'd like to think that maybe two for a two year period he'd be okay. I, I, yeah. just like, that's what I think. Okay, yeah. so
1: but who are you asking from? Because there's the fans, and then there's the club.
0: I think also, I'm talking about from from the fans definitely. Yeah, yeah. So because from the club, I think the club will give him an, a, a decent
2: amount of time. I think you'll be able to see out his contract oh. if it's up to the club. But if the fans turn on him, that's when the club will push. Exactly. Because most more time since I guess since Jose's second sacking, second, it's, um, it's been the fans, isn't it? It's been the fans. It's been the fans that really push where the club goes. It's,
1: it's quite mad. And this is what I'm saying, because obviously, usually we have a foreign coach. So it's easy for them, like when Villas-Boas was there, it was, for the, it was easy for them to say, we don't like this football. This isn't Chelsea. But if this, like, don't forget Lampard, we, I listened to the Jody Morris podcast, and he's very cultured. He likes pep. He likes possession-type football. So I'm asking, do you feel like, a, a, forget about the position... But the way we play football, do you feel like the fans could turn on Chelsea for that or Lampard for that?
0: It depends on what it looks like. What do you mean? So if the if, if it is, for instance, Conte-esque uh, and by Conte-esque, rather not even Conte-esque, if it's not winning football and, and in addition to it, it's not attractive um, by what the standard of attractive football is now, then I could imagine that they get quite a bit of stick. Even um,
1: even to Lampard though,
0: that's what I'm thinking. 100, yeah, 100. I think I think if it's, if the football is isn't good enough or isn't in, it's not exciting or um, so not necessarily that it has to be a certain way, but the effectiveness of it is the first thing and second of second of all the most um, how entertaining it is is a big big factor in, in how I think especially match going fans will react to. Them. Who was so I, I, I definitely. Pardon? I was gonna. Who, who watched the um, derby last season? Um, I saw them in spurts. No, I watched never a I watched a, watch a bit of them.
1: Uh, what are you thinking? Because what I've read is that they were good up on. Do you remember like last season for us? We were good up into the box, and then we yep. didn't really, we ran out of ideas. Apparently, yep. Lampard's derby was the same. But the only thing is, they just had shooters from midfield.
2: Yep, they didn't have. They didn't really have prolific goal scorers. Um, if you look at um, all of the those that finished above them, they at least had a striker that hit over fifteen goals. Um, Derby didn't have. I think their their so, top, top scorer was Harry Wilson. Yeah, Harry Wilson was six. I mean had sixteen goals in the league, um, which is mad. You know, so they didn't have anyone that was really proficient up front. So they were heavily reliant on their midfield. Um, when Mason Mount got injured uh, midway through the season. Um, it kind of stopped them in there. They were on a decent run as well, um, but once Mason got injured, it yeah. kind of derailed them a bit. And I think Lampard even alluded to that. Yeah, um, a
1: lot of people did. That worries me. You know what worries me is Lampard for Chelsea. The view that he was looking through, the perspective as his midfielder was getting into the box as a midfielder and scoring. And yeah. he, here in Lampard's derby, his midfielders was the goal scorers. We've got an issue where our attack isn't. Scoring so if if his solution is for our goals to come from midfield, I feel like he's gonna flop.
2: That's a worry, but then again, you need to think about it in context. With context and um, Derby's strikers just weren't scorers. They worked hard, um, decent, but they're not even a high-level championship striker. Like none of them are. So I wouldn't I wouldn't put that down to it being by design. I just think it's just by virtue of the players that they had, you try and get the best out of what you've got available. And he probably knew and recognised quickly that the forwards that he has aren't going to be getting the goals. So he's obviously trying to adapt and um, get the best out of the more talented players. So that's Hatham Wilson and um, Mason Mount.
1: But then if you look at Chelsea, our attack last season wasn't scoring goals. So it's the same kind of issue. Obviously, he's got um, options, he's got options, I'm not going to lie. So we can talk about a strike situation, we can talk about yeah. who we think um, should be playing up front. Joe, yeah. do you, what's your thoughts? Oof. I mean,
3: I, I think probably, if, if I'm looking at number one person at the moment, it's probably Batshuayi. Um I think just the, the, the profile he has in terms of, you know, sort of athleticism, his finishing ability... His work rate as well. I think he's, for me at least, probably the the clear cut option at the moment. Um, and then maybe I'm looking at Giroud, kind of number two, just just for that experience. You know, I think he's he's looked pretty good in in pre season so far, yeah. albeit the level of, of uh, opposition hasn't been fantastic. But I just think that, that Batshuai, his sort of mobility, and I think actually some of his his combination playing that he's improved quite a bit actually since since his first time here. I think that he probably would link well with with Callum. Uh, with with Pulisic, with William, with Pedro, etc. And I think, actually, the, the thing we need, we need finishers at Chelsea. I think yeah. last season, you know, we were seeing, particularly with Giroud, just sort of uh, you know, kind of French lamppost act at times. You know, yeah. sort of the ball coming in and just sort of bouncing off the hazard, etc. I'd much rather someone sort of spearhead the attack, be the main guy. Yeah. And yet, sure, you know, it's, I, I, I don't really care how greedy he is in terms of, you know, not passing and stuff like that. I think we just need someone who's going to take a high volume of shots and then yeah. potentially...
2: Uh, Lead the line that way, yeah. I agree, I agree, definitely agree. Because again, when we had Morata, he was another player that didn't really take that many shots. Okay. But he did, he missed quite often. <laughs> um, whereas you need some, and Michi is not as that, he, he takes a lot of shots, but he is also quite clinical. Um, yeah, good finisher, really good finisher, very good finisher. So, I, I, he, I, for me, there's it's a no brainer, mm-hmm. he has to play. He has to play. I'd also play Pedro. Um, I'm actually looking at... There's reports of um, Lampard deciding on William this week, which is amazing. That means that he just... Has decided whether he should go or not? No, no. William should go. Yeah. Um, but
1: I'm talking about... Is be... that, what are the reports saying? Is it deciding uh, whether he should go?
2: saying that Barcelona are still interested. OK. And um, that Lampard's going to decide on giving him a new contract or not. If not, because his contract runs out at the end of this season, we might sell him um, this summer. So... Okay. and I think I think he should go so
1: what do, you think, that, what do you think the rest of you guys what do you think do you think we should sell it knowing the fact that right now we have kind of four wingers to my knowledge if we're not currently like Casey Palmer who will probably go out um, we've only got Hudson Pulisic Pedro Rick. so what would you I'd do keep, yeah I'd, I'd try and keep
3: him until January um, I agree with with uh, Meets, I mean he he, he's probably the benchmark for a squad player that you want at Chelsea. You know, he can, he can play in big games, you know, he's not necessarily going to let you down. He might not win you many games, but you know, he can give you a performance. He's sort of pretty consistent. And I think coming off the bench, he's a pretty good option. But, you know, kind of as a start, particularly over the past couple of years, you know, I mean, I don't really judge players fully on their stats, but I mean, his, his goal scoring record for a team that has, you know, at oh. times scored some, some pretty decent numbers in the league is, is atrocious. Um, yeah. And uh, I think it comes to point out, know, if he's still a saleable asset and then people are still interested in him and you can get, you know, maybe 30 million plus for him, then I think you'd, you'd have to consider it. But given, you know, Callum's injury, although there are reports saying that he, he might be back in training as early as next week. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if, if he's not going to be, say, fully fit for the first couple of games, then, then maybe you have to hang on him
1: to, to uh, William until January. I'm, I'm, for, I'm in the sell William camp. I'm not going to lie. I think he could be useful to us. I'm not... There's a lot of people that kind of really hate his guts, but I feel like the reason why I'll sell him is because I don't think he'll be happy on the bench for Callum. And I feel like he's the type of person that will sulk. Um No,
2: I'm talking
1: about William. I'm talking about William. Um, I agree. And I feel like we can make some money. I know, obviously, we can't spend some. And to be fair, the smarter decision is, since we can't bring anyone in, it's better to be safe than sorry, because... We don't know. Maybe Hudson will get another long-term injury or something could happen. So the smart decision probably really is to keep William, but it's just like, I don't know. Intuitively, I I kind of think, just get rid of him and then spend the bag on Sancho next season.
2: The reason why I'd say sell him is not only just because of his performances or lack thereof, or his inconsistency. Um, I thought what, what we're trying to do is introduce a new age Chelsea. And I feel like with William, you're going to get more of the same. And I'd much rather have more of the same with a goal scorer or a, a goal threat in Pedro um, than having a William when you've got a Pulisic that is of a, of a similar mould. Um, also, I don't want... I, although there's going to be no obstacles with Hudson-Odoi because he is favoured, but I want there to be, for Hudson, in his mind, that there's no doubt that he is going to be the guy. Yeah. So, William getting out of it, especially, and I think he's at that time he's thirty, thirty-one. It's time for him to go anywhere. He's been so there's another reasons to well. get out, um, get William out of it. And also, we have Kennedy, and that's another option out wide.
1: Yeah, and to be fair, I know you guys don't like it, but Loftus Cheek can do a job there too. No, I don't <laughs> do that again. Don't no, 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 <laughs> hit, no, 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 no. Wait, do who's doing that? Who's doing that? Yeah. Who's, doing the, who's doing the
0: fuking? I'm doing the vomiting thing. Yeah, okay, okay. It. All right, do you remember the, And the reason, The reason ahead. why I'm doing the vomiting thing is not because I don't think he's capable of doing it. Right. But it's because I said it before, um, and just in terms of his development as a midfielder, I feel like it doesn't help him playing that wide. And obviously, at a time, it's had the purpose in terms of getting him on the pitch. Yeah. But he's now established himself as the outright best kind of offensive centre mid we have. Um, and as a result, he should be doing nothing but playing in the middle of the I, pitch. Exactly. Um, so I. I, I I personally will not be here for any sort of remixing of Ruben's position anymore say. because he's kind of it it's, big, it's taken it's taken quite a while for him to nail down the spot. He yep. deserves the spot he's got, and like I said, there should be no there should be no kind of
2: okay. I get that. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and the reason, what, and one other thing about that, just um, just to add on to yeah. what Palumi was saying. Ruben, when he does play wide for a sustained period of time, he picks up bad habits. And those are habits that Sari, credit to him, managed to iron out away from him. So I don't want him to go back to having those habits again from playing out wide and not really knowing what to do in the defensive phase from midfield. I don't want I
1: I hope, what I hope is he retains that knowledge. So before the the Sari kind of coaching about position and all that type of stuff, he didn't have that knowledge about what to do. My my thing is, Chelsea are going to need different options, especially now we don't have a transfer window. There might be a time where, OK, we need a more defensive midfield. So we've got Kovacic playing, we've got Kante playing, we've got Jorginho playing. And then maybe Loftus-Cheek in the more advanced position, like top of a diamond or something else. So so that that's different. So him playing top of the diamond, but even, is, I have that. Yeah. But in terms of out wide... I, 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 no. I know, but like even a position out wide doesn't have to, he doesn't have to execute it like a winger. My the only, the reason why I'm saying this, I think Chelsea's got a big problem with goals in attack, and we all saw last season. Ruben didn't play that much, but he scored six goals in the Premier League and ten goals overall. So if I know we Pedro provides a goal threat, but we could have Loftus Cheek, Hudson, and then a striker, and those are three people with good goal threats. I know obviously Pedro has become to the fore just because there's no one else but I think that we could play with Hudson Loftus and Batshuayi and then Kovacic, Jorginho, Kankan.
2: Uh, that that can't be it. I, don't
1: know. <laughs> uh, I, 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 knew, I knew he was going to back it anyway, but I thought, let me, use this.
2: Let me uh, use this as a
1: machine to kind of like, spread my propaganda, but no, nah,
2: it's That's uh, disgusting. And and the reason why, like in terms of goals from midfield, mm. uh, you were just saying, no, I'm not really sure if that's going to be one of the weapons that we should be overly reliant on. It. Yeah, mean, that's what I'm saying. So
1: move off the so I
2: wouldn't, I wouldn't, have, but, then you would substitute it by moving your best central midfielder out wide. I just
1: couldn't. No, no, yeah, But don't forget, Loftus, when, everyone, when people talk about Loftus, they're talking about his offensive game. That's the most, the, the thing that people bring. And I, I get, yeah. he, I get that he starts from deep and that's cool. If he's in a role behind the striker, he's got a free role. Like, Hazard will come deep too. But my yeah. whole thing is, uh, when you're playing central midfield, you've got defensive responsibility.
0: Yeah. So
1: that's going to take away from Loftus's ability to get into the box. So, uh-huh. I do feel like, at times in the season, I'm not just saying completely take away from central midfield, but I wouldn't be opposed for him to kind of... Do you remember when Yaya, um, for Mancini, when they just kind of, like, took him away from central midfield and just let him run forward?
2: Man, that's different, man. Those were in-game adjustments. No, I know. So if quite, you want to do in-game adjustments, fine. Right. But in terms of him starting... I, I for me, but but, but to, yeah. to, just to, to add on what you were saying, in terms of like his defensive responsibility, I think that in that regard, again, Undasari towards back down. end of the season improved dramatically. Yeah. So against um, Frankfurt away, he was outstanding on both both sides of the pitch. Yeah. So both sides of the field, offensively and defensively, most ball recoveries on the pitch, um, most tackles, <laughs> nah. line, and then obviously you know the most Sorry? You know, Sorry? The, stat- you know the, stats the stats. I know the stats. I know the stats. I remember that performance very, very well. Uh, that, guy, that was a complete performance. Um, so, yeah, that side of his game's improved exponentially. Um, so, I again, I'd be so... Disappointed. I'd be reluctant to put him anywhere near I, the
1: wide I, I, I hear what you and Palumi are saying just because... First and foremost, he's 23 now and he hasn't really had a regular run yet. And he's been shifted all about. And good players, that happens to good players because you're so good, you can play in so many positions. But I do feel like he does need consistency and in a position. So I completely hear what you guys are talking about. Since we're talking about Loftus-Cheeks, since we're talking about midfield, let's talk about midfielders in general. Obviously, last season, two players that kind of split the fan base was Jorginho Kante. Um, let's stick with Jorginho first because obviously Jorginho was known as Sari's pet. Sari's gone. Um, what, what are you guys' thoughts? Do you feel like um, since Sari's gone, we don't need, he doesn't need to be as focal to Chelsea? Or do you feel um, like we should keep
2: him I, I, I can't lie to you. I'm actually looking forward to Jorginho this season. Okay. Not only because it's his second season, um, but I feel like Sari's way of playing restricts him as a player. Not only... Because I feel like he's just... I think there's more to his game. And I think there's more about Jorginho. But, um... So that's why I'm quite excited to see where he plays with Lampard. I think he'll play at the base of a diamond when we do play a diamond. And obviously, in a double pivot with Kante.
0: Mm.
2: But I'm just excited to see it. Because I remember... Sorry... Sorry. Motorcycle, require Um... I remember Sari um, he said quite clearly that Jorginho can't play in a two. Yeah, I, I I don't know, what? I was so confused. And I just want him to almost as much as Sari is his mentor and like, you know, like that's that's like the genius, um, I want him to kind of prove Sari wrong mm. and perform well in a two He oh, plays Adam in a two for work, Italy, doesn't right? he? He plays
1: in a two for, for Italy.
2: Yeah, so I just don't I don't get that from Sari. I think it's just Sari's own belief in his philosophy yeah. and he's just not moving away from it. Again, the stubbornness.
1: Yeah. Um so, so Palumi,
0: Joe. Um I'd say that I don't I feel like he's not undroppable anymore. Okay. Um which is a good thing for me because I think it was tied into the to the inflexibility um and also just the the kind of the, I feel like he. I feel like st- st- Sorry, sorry. Didn't do him a lot of favors last year because there was a, yeah. there was a period where he struggled, like really struggled, yeah. and he became the kind of um, escapee. And what would have really helped him is if, if he'd been taken out the fire, like firing line, or if there was an adjustment um, potentially in the system that would have helped him a bit more. Yeah. Um, and I, like, and what what I think people need to understand is that it's not necessarily a Jorginho issue. Um, but like, I saw Rodri or um, well, I heard Rodri Rava yeah. the other day did look a little bit out of it in the, in the Asia Trophy and obviously it's pre-season yeah. um, but Fabinho too had it early in the season this yeah. like this holding midfielder that's come from abroad sometimes they do look a bit off the pace yeah. um, both athletically um, and just in terms of the speed and the tempo of the game so what is um, what is also so what's exciting is that obviously he's now had a bit more time to acclimatise but yeah. at the same time there is, there's going to be less of an onus on him as being this, like, you know, saviour for the whole of the system. Because if it if the buck stops with him alone, yeah. then we are well and truly fucked.
1: Joe, I, I know you said you're not really a Jorginho fan, so you must be delighted. No, I mean, I,
3: I'll give him the benefit of doubt for this season. But, I mean, my contention with with him last season was that I think when we bought him, he was the most expensive holding player in history. And if you can give me 10 outstanding games he played last season out of the, what, nearly 60 old that we played, then... Then fair enough, well, but I, I didn't see enough from him, you know, over the course of the season. And I don't want to sort of go down the whole you know, physicality thing, but I th- I think to play that position by yourself in the Premier League, particularly given how near enough every team can can counter attack with 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 pace and, and and you know quite a lot of technique these days. I don't know if he's got enough about him athletically and physically to be a a holding player. And I'm ta- I'm talking about growing up watching Makaleli, Essien, Obi et play etc. Oh. Um, you,
2: you need PNP in the Premier League, man. I don't so so. I, I have a bit of it. I mean, that's my that, thing. Did, did McElhinney have PNP? So one, he, McElhinney had strength. He had he P. Had P he, he was yeah. like 10 times better than Jorginho defensively. He had P and he also had tactical awareness like no other. Like yeah. one of the most intelligent players I've seen play for Chelsea by Mars. I mean, yeah, he, yeah, he, he, yeah. he, he had one
1: P. He had, he had just one P. But here's my thing. Even McAlealy, when Ranieri brought him in, he brought him as a deep-line play, play, playmaker. Like, this, this kind of whole holding midfielder, destroyer, um, I feel like that was started with in the Premier League with McAlealy. Because I'm not sure, I can't remember, most anchormen before was just passing players. And even when Ranieri brought McAlealy in, it was a passing type player. But I'm, I'm diverging away from that. I think people forget, and let me ask you this, Joe, the first 10 games of the season, everyone loved Jorginho. After every single match, they were passing statistics. He's made this many passes at that point in the season. Are you telling me you wasn't feeling what Jorginho was doing? A lot of people at that point in the season were saying that Hazard and Jorginho were our best players.
2: Uh, I'll let Joe answer that, but I'm, I'm fairly certain that he wasn't sold, regardless. Okay. But... Right. No, I mean I think
3: part, partly the part of it is is the structure of the team, and probably something that, that Palmy would have maybe noticed as well, was that in the Premier League, there were times when we, we were attacking with like seven, eight people. You know, you can't leave one holding player who can't run with two centre-backs as is your this? only kind of option defensively. Is- I think once teams kind of figured out, A, that we were quite easy to counter, and then B, you know, we, just, we saw people just doing that, that standard man-marking job on, on the base player, the, the effectiveness of him, it drops off massively. And, right. you know, and I'm looking at a, a £60 million player, you know, again, the most expensive player in his this, like, specialised position ever. At the time, was he
1: 60 million?
3: 58, 60, whatever it you're was. Adding, you,
1: know, you're adding money to you hate Junior, bro. I'm, I'm just, I'm
3: just, I'm ra- rounding it up. So yeah, I, okay. can, I you know, <laughs> Sixty million with wages, maybe we're calling that. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, I, I would have expected someone of that sort of money and intelligence to figure things out a bit more. Right. Maybe you know, kind of create different passing angles or something like that. What? And I didn't see enough from from him to try and solve it as well as from Sorry, but. Like I said, I mean, this season, it's it's a clean slate. You know, That's if he good. plays the base of a diamond, he maybe has a bit more support either side defensively. Um, could also help as well. You know, we look at sort of the back four, how that profile will change over the season. If Rhys James comes in, Zuma, et cetera, we've got a bit more athleticism, a bit more aggression got, back there as well. Could you've also got help plans for
1: the season. You've got plans on who you want coming. But I kind of want to figure out when did it turn for you with Jorginho? I was you. Was there a point where you was a Jorginho fan, where you, and then you decided, you know, what, I've had enough of him, or was it always from the beginning? You was like, I'm not having him.
3: Oof, that's a tough one. Um, I think it might have been sort of November, December time. I, I, I was it. Was it Tottenham? The, yeah. Were they the first team to mark him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was that was a red flag for me. Um, well, it wasn't Tottenham. It was um Everton. 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 Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and, and I think it's, it's when I, I kind of saw how easily he was sort of negated. And again, I, you know, I'm thinking of, of, of maybe better players kind of problem solved during I've, the game and I, maybe don't get stuck in that situation. Right, cool. But not... then it, it kind of snowballed from there and it, it never really improved to like... The, well, the kind of at the end season. of the
1: season, when he had the bandage, this guy was like an action hero. Like, I think yeah. even Chelsea fans were appreciating him um, towards the end of the season. And I think people forget this was his first season in the league too. And I've seen Fernandinho get man-marked as well. And, and it make it difficult for City to play out. So, I, I don't know, yeah. I kind of
2: feel it's hard. The, the difference is with Fernandinho is that when he does get man-marked, he actually tries to find a solution. Yeah, that, that's, yeah that's but don't, the, don't forget... And also, also, you need to bear in mind that if he's unable, he'll also have Kevin LeBrona that drops in. Exactly. Flexible. And don't forget, um,
1: me what you mentioned earlier, don't forget, he's executing Sari's plan, so now now maybe you will have a bit more flexibility, um, Jorginho. Yeah, um, maybe. I,
2: I, I, it's not that I doubt it. Um, yeah. I hope, I hope we'll so. I hope so.
1: Um, but we'll see. All right, we'll so see. so let's talk about Kovacic. Um I think yeah, yeah. Mead, I know your opinion. You didn't want us to sign him. Um,
2: yeah. I think that's such a bad buy. And I think it's just such a... That's a, such a Chelsea buy. Right. Yeah. Because it's so unnecessary. Those kind of deals piss me off. Because it's so unnecessary. You're spending 40, what, 40 million pounds? Yeah. 40, million, 40 million, pounds million is not that much on another squad It's not, it's we've done, not No, no no, 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 but we've done the same thing. Like, this is, Wait, no, wait. So you, you, we're saying that it's not that high, but it's an accumulation of 40 million pounds spends. But we spent 40 million pounds on yeah. We spent 40 million pounds on drink water. Yeah, we spent 25. 40 million pounds on Kovacic. <laughs> That's 120 million think, pounds. But, um, for me, and I, don't I don't have a clinical striker. This is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Our utilisation of resources is so poor and stupid. We yeah. could just spend... We could have spent eighty million pounds on Jovic, for example. Yeah, but but we've got three normal midfielders f- that aren't yeah. really that good. And I, I think I think
1: Listen, is all right. Um, Palumi, what, what do you think?
0: Um, do you know, what it is when I, when I first um, watched him, I think I had I still had the profile of player I thought he was yeah. in my head, um, in in mind. Mm-hmm. So when I watched him, and people were saying actually he doesn't do as much as you know you think he does. I was kind of cutting him a lot of slack and I was like, yeah, no, no, he actually does pass a bit forward. But then I watched over the course of the season and, and what made me realise how... Um, useless how, ins- how insignificant his impact was in games was when Ruben came in, finally. And then I was I was almost comparing the two of them and thinking, actually, yeah. the way Ruben's affecting our game yeah. um, offensively is so much greater. Um, and that being said, I feel like Kovacic does a lot of good, like... Yeah. centre midfield work exactly um, as like a, in terms of like an all round kind of yeah. he, he bites and challenges he impressive. keeps the ball moving yeah yeah but I think at the same time it's like we because of where he is almost used in the system i.e. there's Kante there's Georgina and then he was meant to be this the third centre mid but kind can of I couldn't interrupt
1: one. though I think that's bullshit because Sari's always said both of my midfielders go back and forward and to be fair there's one that's a bit more attacking but um,
0: again look, that's fair that that can that's that's like a valid point, but my my issue is is that when he was substituted for um, Ruben, um, or he was or it was like a a, a, a toss up between the two of them. I because of that, looking at him and looking at his impact on the game, maybe it was just with a view of actually you don't do enough. Um, I don't have a problem with him as a player necessarily. I think technically he's actually incredibly good. So it's so maybe there's there's again he's one of them that there's. There might be more license to go forward, a licence to play them riskier passes because he's more than capable of doing it. Um but he just, you know, was really on the sideways, the sideways thing and I wasn't I wasn't feeling it at all. The
1: the last game in preseason I think his um, assist was quite good. It was like a Yeah yeah. But that was against poorer poorer um opposition. Um Joe, what are your thoughts of Kovacic?
3: I think he's he's one of these kind of like modern archetypal midfielders who I think like Palumi's saying, like he looks great on the ball, he's like really aesthetically pleasing to watch, he's got nice technique, but he just doesn't really just doesn't really do enough for me. Um, you know, I, I think there's a reason that he looks good in sort of against bigger opponents where there's more of an emphasis on keeping the ball and playing under pressure and in tight spaces, because that's where he he really thrives. but when you see him play against slightly lesser opponents and you're expecting him to, to be more decisive in the final third be more clinical be more decisive in general and when you don't see that that sort of come through for him then I think that that's where sort of the disappointment comes from but I think again it, it's a little bit like um what Pulumi was saying I, I kind of had this impression of him as a player before he came and because he hasn't lived up to what, what I think he should be you know you, you're kind of disappointed in him and and I completely agree with, with what mead just said as well it's just in terms of uh the signing for, for what he offered last season. You know, you've got two or three kids in the academy who can run around and give you energy and not give the ball away in midfield for, you know, for how, how many games he's going to play. So,
0: mm-hmm.
3: yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to see because, uh, you know, you, you've got to hope now that with Lampard coaching him and Morris as well, obviously Lampard, one of the best midfielders of all time and Jody was a, a really, really top Premier League player for, for a, a significant part of his career. Maybe they can unlock something in him. Maybe they can, they can give him some additional tools. To use some of this great technique, he has to be more influential because I still think there's a player in there. It's yeah. just I don't think we've really seen the best of him yet.
1: Okay, so quick question on this: so for him to become the player, a player, a player that you rate, is it offensively that he has to improve? Because you said that you kind yeah. of rate what he does in midfield, but
2: so for me, um, my problem with Kovacic is he's very passive, so it's not necessarily the offensive game because he can he can get to the end of the box, but. It's when he gets there, he's so passive with everything he does, so safe all the time, so safe offensively. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, I right. don't like, he doesn't even need to score goals, just be penetrative with your passing at least. In like the very least, mm. make a risky pass at least. But what he'll do is dribble to the edge of the box and pass it sideways or backwards. But like, I, I, it just it doesn't make any sense to me. All right, mate, so can I it, ask Barkley
1: or Kovar, who is worse for you? Like, who do you hate more? Who would you rather see playing? I'd rather see Barkley. You'd rather see Barkley over Cobour?
2: I'd rather see Barkley.
1: That's mad. And I don't know and how much not, you hate that's Barkley. That's not
2: because I think he's better than Kovacic, but yeah. I think at least he takes more risks. At the very least. I feel like under Sari, Barkley programmed his brain um, <laughs> to be safer. Yeah. Um, but I think he's more of a maver- maverick than Kovacic and he takes more risks, especially towards the final third. So that's why I have him. that's why I'd play him or I'd want him to play more than Kovacic I wouldn't trust Kovacic to um, just just, yeah be penetrative and positive in his play I just wouldn't trust it whereas Barkley I would although he'd frustrate me they both would frustrate me for different reasons but I think I'd just rather have Barkley Lampard apparently rates
1: Barkley as well Um, so is that going to piss Chelsea fans off if because I know, I, generally, Chelsea I, fans don't... I, I don't
2: there. think so. I think Lampard very much is um, looking at the academy. So, I think he'll give more more credence to the likes of Mason Mount, Loftus Sheik. Yeah. Um, Which is cool. And but I think even Gilmore, I think even Gilmore might get a look in as well, so... Right. So, we'll
1: talk about the Academy of Revolution in a bit, but apparently he does like Barkley. I'm not saying that he likes him more than... Obviously, Mount is almost like... Uh, Lampard's pet the same way Jorginho was Saris but um, let's talk about the, the academy revolution what do, what are you guys thinking um, how many young players do you feel like should be playing what are your thoughts in general in general because I know a lot of people hate it a lot of people think it's just like playing the youth <coughs> and it's just you know it's going to end in tears and we'll go with um Palumi.
0: So, obviously, I've said at the beginning that um, I feel that it's not necessarily a case that players should play because they're young or because they're from the academy. Yeah. But I think it's always, it, will, it will always be that they should play because they're good enough to play. Um, and when we look at, for instance, some of the names that means mentioned earlier in terms of Bakayoko, Drinkwater, um, Zappacosta, um, Emerson is one that I, I think is probably, out of him and Alonso, is the better of... The the bad two, um, mm-hmm. but um, he got um Just some of these, some of the signings we've made of late, um, and just over a, a, maybe an extended period of time, have, have been fairly mediocre, um, and a lot of the time, that is at the expense of a, a, a number of really talented young players. Um, so one of the ones that sticks with me a lot is Apo Costa, and just the kind of chain reaction. Or well, like the chain of events that's happened in terms of our spying Zapacosta from Torino and then mm-hmm. learning them Ola Aina, um, who they've then replaced Apostosta with because he's actually like fantastic. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's it will always be a case of playing players because they're good. Um, and never and I think one of the things I like about what Lampard's come in and said is just that the opportunity or that the pathway is now there and it's kind of up to them to take it. Um mm-hmm. so not necessarily that we are gonna have a, a squad of eleven Players from the academy at one time, or or a squad of eighteen-year-olds, um, you know, playing in the Champions League game necessarily, but more so that actually, if you're playing well, um, and somebody else isn't playing well, there's an opportunity for you to take that person's that person's um, position. Yeah. I and mean, that's something I value, in especially with kind of Callum um, and the ordeal he went through last year, yeah. what Ruben's gone through, and what a, a number of kind of talents I've gone through um, in previous years. So it's more a case of. Not necessarily a revolution per se, but just you better utilisation of them. Yeah. And if that's what a revolution looks like, then it's probably just because we've been so fucking shit at it True. up until now.
1: True. Well, I guess my question is, what players do you feel like from this kind of young, new um, generation should be starting in the eleven? So obviously a lot of people are going to be saying... Obviously, ROC's 23. We'll still count him as young now. But a lot of people will say Hudson... A lot of people say RLC because they kinda of got into the team last season. But what other players and um, do you feel like should be starting next season? We'll do twenty-three and under.
3: I think once he's uh once he's fit again, I think it will be very hard to keep Rhys James out of the side yeah. um, profile of a complete modern fullback. You know, we saw him ended he ended up playing in midfield last season. Yeah. Reminds me of like a you know if, if David Alaba was in Michael Essien's body that sort of style of player he can play anywhere on the brilliant, way brilliant playing midfield he's fantastic and it, you know not that it really matters in terms of his performance but he's he's such a nice kid as well you know really kind of respectful yeah. nice person everyone who's met him said he's a great guy the, the, the thing that Wigan did making him captain for his last game of the season I think says a lot about his character um and I can see uh, it coming to a, a point similar when, when uh, Aspilicueta took over from Ashley Cole at left-back. I can see some sort of change in the guard thing happening over the season where Reese comes in, just because of his, not just his athletic profile, but, I mean, he's such a good, technically great footballer. He's probably the best cross of the ball that we've got at the club. And, and if, you, if you're going to be playing as you really big games, then obviously you want someone who can cross the ball to him. So I think he's, he's one, apart from Callum and... And Ruben that, that springs to mind and and maybe not a starter at the moment but it'd be interesting to see how much Mason Mount plays right. obviously so just signed a five-year deal but it's his his intelligence off the ball how how just fit he is in general the amount of pressing and, and work he gets through and I think we already mentioned earlier that Derby kind of fell to pieces without him in the yeah. side you know his, his ability off the ball is as good as it is on the ball so he's another one that I think is going to
0: be interesting to see how they use him. Pretty cool. Just, just on um, Mason Mount, I think one of the really impressive things for me is that he's come off the back of a, a rigorous championship season, um, and that was a, again off the back of playing a number, a really um, large number of games for, for the Test. So yeah. um, for me, he, in terms of his pressing and whatnot, I think that's those are big facets of his game. But his energy and his durability, just the ability for him to kind of be playing on a Saturday, Tuesday by the injury, is going to be big for us. Um, but within that as well, just in terms of the kind of composition for bases in midfield specifically, it does kind of frustrate me a bit more than when you when you consider the coverage turning because someone that I think is really really impressed and I've been impressed with for the past season definitely is Billy Gilmore, um, yeah. and 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 obviously there is a view to you know potentially send him out alone, but I think um, if there was a little bit more forward thinking, um, he might have been someone that you know we thought actually a sixth, a sixth spot in terms of midfield or seventh spot in case someone gets injured. Um, there's no harm in him still kind of playing 23-football mm. at 18 um, and then coming in to kind of supplement what we have there. Um, but now it just feels like there's an, a bit more of an extra step for him to take um, yeah. because of Kovacic's signing. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, again, so even though I don't necessarily feel like he's someone that's going to be starting week in, week out, yeah. I think he's absolutely brilliant and I think um, what he's shown in preseason but last year as well, just at, in, at youth level, mm-hmm. um, is he someone that we should definitely, definitely be looking at, you know, for a moment. Yeah, I
2: think that, that, that so that's, that, 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 again, that just alludes to what I was saying earlier, um, that this kind of thing happens, and players of good enough quality, not even, they don't even have to be superstars, but actually good quality players, at like our prem level at least, um, slip through the net, because of players like, um, drink, drink waters uh, Bakiokos and Kovacic I, I just don't it doesn't make any sense to me I, I, um, I do hope that he proves me wrong and he has a decency a good enough season but yeah. I don't think that upside will be enough for me to feel content with the signing what I'll say with it is just that
1: the, there is a change now this is the first time we've got managers that aren't that won't be afraid to play young players in fact it's the complete opposite they're actually tromping at it seems like they're tromping at the to player so, I'm not as worried about Billy Gilmore because I feel like um, they're rewarding him because of his performances in preseason. I think that they're rewarding him. I hope he doesn't go on loan. I do think there's enough games, especially that like Carly Cup game, for him to still kind of get some games. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about Reese James um, quickly before because we're going to be wrapping up soon. But. Um, for our defenders, we've got quite a lot in terms of Rudiger to come back. We've got Zuma. We've got Tomori, who's still here. Um, obviously, we've got David Luiz. So, um, and everyone's got their own different opinion. So, I kind of wanted to hear from you guys. Who, who would you all start into? Oh, obviously, we've got Christensen too. Um,
0: for me, um, I, I'm a big fan of Kurt Zuma, like a huge fan of him, and I would like for him to stay. Um, and it's. In fact, for me, me speaking first is kind of kind of stupid because I don't actually have a definitive answer to the okay, question. Cool. But um, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm a really big fan of Zuma. Um, I'm a fan of Christian Christensen, um, but ironically, I'd, I'd say that I'm I would be less opposed to Christensen leaving than I would be to Zuma leaving. Really? Um, yeah, and not because I'm not a fan of Christensen, but no. just in terms of my my preference or my like for Zuma. Yeah. Um, I prefer if he he stayed, and I also think that um, someone that might go a little bit unnoticed, or that he probably won't now because of his time at Derby. Yeah. But um, for Tomori's really, really come on yeah. a lot, a, a, um, a lot in the past year, a lot since the kind of under twenty under twenties um, World Cup, um, and just in terms of how he's refined his game, I think he's he's somewhat like a dark horse almost. But mm. I think what we're the stage we're at with players his age and in his position, it's just that. You don't want to keep him around for 13 games, yeah. um, for the sake of it, because he's more than capable of potentially playing, you know, in a Villa side 38 games, because obviously they, they need a centre Um or in another, you know, prem side for for 38 games yeah. and do it fairly well. Um, so I guess that's that's something that they have to consider. But um, yeah, just to kind of add him into the mix and that thought process, I guess. Means, what what's your thoughts?
1: Cause I know obviously Kristensen where's your boy. I don't know if he still is. <laughs>
2: Um, so, uh, my starting defence would be, i will probably say Emerson. Yeah. Emerson for now. Because um, I, I, I'm a big fan of Castillo. So, he's just signed a new deal, I think. Right. I believe he signed a new yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah him and Tariq way um, like So, I I'd ideally want Castillo to get a chance at some point in the season. But, Emerson will be my left back, um, centre back. I'd still have David Luiz, but how he's twenty thirty two now.
1: Yeah,
2: and I think that I think that some of the game time he'll get will be not limited, but it will be reduced. So I think he will be rotating um, David Luiz this season. Um, so I'd, I'd have David Luiz, and it'd probably be Zuma for me, and mm-hmm. that's only because of um, I'm about partnerships. Um, so I need um, someone to be... I need an aggressor, and then I need someone that is more passive um, in defence. So less calm, less rash. I mean, more rash, and then you've got one that is relatively rash. Um, David Louise has slightly refined the way he defends. Um, although he does have rash moments, he's the more laid-back of the two defenders. Um, so I'd have him... Zouma, uh, right back out of Rhys James, because I don't think Aspie is a good right
1: back. <laughs> yeah, you've been on him for a while, too. Been know. on him,
2: the last two seasons. Uh, yeah, nah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Actually, you're, do you know what, you kind of see things like two seasons before everyone else, because uh, I remember Kane or he was don't on him. Don't in. give him that title. Yeah. Don't, don't be, <laughs> okay, this guy's okay. It's
2: okay, right, it's, right, it's right. okay. You'll come around,
1: you'll come right. Uh, all right, cool. Dickers. <laughs> cool. Joe, do you want to quickly run through your defence?
3: Yeah, it's actually it's the same as it's as actually. Fair. Um same. I, th- I think Louise will probably play bigger games, I think it'll be rotated out. I would like to see Zuma and Samoy play together though maybe in some of the cups. Yeah, because I think for a future pairing that's uh so, so, that looks pretty good to me. And yeah, Rhys James in so at right and, and Emerson at left back, yeah.
1: Who would you get rid of then? Um centre back wise. You can't I can't keep all of them. I don't say it because I, I live in Copenhagen so people might get on this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh,
3: Mr. Mr. Christensen and the, the reason I say this is I think the, the more that I've, I've seen him play and I, I will admit that towards the end of the last season I think he, he started showing a bit more confidence but mm. he looks to me like he is especially a centre-back who plays in the middle of a three. I think in the middle of a three I think he's absolutely outstanding but... Going back to that that conversation earlier, I, I'm not sure if he has the mentality, the aggression, or physicality to be to be that number two in a in a centre back pairing. You know, I look, I look at him as someone who should try and follow like a carvalho type mould in in how he's in how his game should be. But we all know Carvalho was was filth when he needed to be and was a bit a bit more physical, a bit stronger. And yeah. i just just have some reservations a little bit about about physicality um, in the team, whereas you know, you don't have any questions about, about Zuma in that respect, so Christensen maybe goes, in, and I'm, I'm like a, yeah, Balumi in, in terms of uh, Tamori's potential, I think his ceiling again, if he continues to work on the, the technical side of his game, you know, his his defensive ability now, rec- recovery speed is incredible, his aggression in tackles, and everything you, you want from a modern centre-back, he's got just refining that, that, that technical side of his game, and he, he again he could be a starter in a couple of years' time.
1: Okay, cool. Let's wrap up by talking about obviously um, Hazard's left is is gone, and we're hoping that Hudson signs a new contract and he's the one that can replace him. But yeah, so obviously Hazard, um, he scored sixteen goals for us last season. With kind of that's obviously we were struggling to attack. Um, how do you feel like we'll do without Hazard next season? Um how much you think we'll miss him or? Is,
0: do you feel like maybe we could be better without him? Uh, uh. I, I think... Um, I don't think the goals are difficult to replace okay. because they're not astronomical. Yeah. Um, so I could easily see Mitchie um, kind of but taking that burden and scoring 16 goals or 15 goals. If I don't think st- that's if that's starts. a massive thing to, um, to necessarily be worrying about. I yeah. think where Hazard's influence is going to be missed is... Um, one in terms of just the joy and the, like the entertainment factor, um, he was just absolutely brilliant to watch. And um, I think when you when you kind of watched him playing in like a Jose team or a Conte team and the kind of managers he played for, um, he was always like the life outside of the kind of rigidity that we had. Um, but then from a and and then within that, then when we weren't you know playing as well as we could or playing as well as we should have played at times, he was the person that kind of dragged us through the mud. Um, and I think that's where his influence will be missed in terms of a real superstar to kind of come up with something from nothing. Um, and that's going to be something if that is really needed in ta- in times where maybe the system isn't working or we're working out the kinks or there's bad form. And all the kind of things that happen to you during the season, yep. you know, City had that the other day when they played against, I think it was United, and companies stepped up. It's like we yeah. don't have um, as many players as they do, or we don't have any more players at Mm, I wouldn't say any more players per se because I'm a big. I have big belief in Hazard, but even just even RLC. that burden. Pardon. RLC too. Yeah, yeah. So even but even just to place the the burden of Hazard on them, I think would be is is very tough and it's you tough for anyone to um, Yeah, uh, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, okay. But yeah, I think I think he he's going to be he's going to be missed not not necessarily because of the goals, but just everything else he, he brought really.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Joe Meads, um, I agree. Um, in terms
2: of being, you asked an interesting question. Um, mm. In terms of Chelsea being better mm. without him, I don't think that's possible. Um, but I think we could be different. Mm. Um, the over reliance on Hazard because we got to a point in certain phases of the season for the last six years, give the ball to Hazard and let him do his thing. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't always work, because as brilliant as he is, you can have five, six guys on him, and that will shut anyone down. And there's times where he gets away, we get away with it, and he's a man to wriggle free, and the been one in the bottom corner, top corner, but it's not enough. So in times like that, where you do need a breakthrough, we won't actually have to keep looking to one player. We may place the responsibility on some other players, and some players may actually take on that responsibility and actually like it. Yeah. Um, and thrive so I, I trust I trust his cheek yeah. to be one of the star players to drag us through I, yeah. I trust Hassan Odoi because yeah. they, they've got exceptional ability yeah. um, well, yeah. I believe that you've got players that are they've got clutch moments in them um, I don't know about policy. oh I do know about policy. <laughs> I don't trust him to be that guy but I think he will have he will bring some quality yeah. and um I think we'll have enough we'll miss him of course like Hala Pulumi says he will drag you out of the game so I remember there was a game against Watford um, two seasons ago um, when we're chasing the top four and I think we're losing Um, and we had I think about five minutes ago Hazard turns does a sharp turn and bends it from 35 yards around everybody Bottom yeah. corner goal like like, the, he, just, he has moments like that yeah. every every other game like the so, West Ham
1: goal last season or, yeah, or the Liverpool exactly. goal
2: yeah so yeah. he just have, you have moments like that which we will definitely miss but let's just hope that the other players kind of take on the responsibility at least share the responsibility what, um what yeah I, that's, what, that's not point. what I
1: will say is though um Last season with sorry at least, in the big games, the reason why he played Hazard's false nine is because he didn't trust him going back defensively. If Pulisic and Hudson do become our wingers, both of them are energetic and they go back. They're defensive. So we, we could possibly be stronger in that regard, um, in terms of defensively, because I think he got to a point where Hazard was... Everybody kind of caved for him a little bit. Um, so there's that. And there's a fact that, okay, <laughs> penalty taker, Hazard took a lot of the penalties. I'm hoping the penalty taker gets to the striker. And maybe our striker... That that can help. Because obviously, strikers usually go through droughts. But if they're the penalty taker too, then maybe that can kind of help. Because we haven't... I think there's only been like two seasons in the last 10 years that we've had a striker, two or three, that has scored 20-plus in the league. And that's fucking shameful, man. But... Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to next season. I think we we can be better than with, without Hazard. Not that not that Hazard is not great, but I feel like last season towards the end of last season Loftus-Cheek was our best player, I think, even though Hazard was there. Um cuz he was the, a lot he was a difference maker. And I feel like if we could just get our, our correct players on the pitch, we can do bits. I don't know what what you think though, but we'll, we'll, we'll let you have the last word.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've had this, this sort of long-term vision for, for Callum to turn into, like, Cal you know, at some point in his career. Cause like, <laughs> you know, he's, he's got that similar similar skill set to, to Mbappe. And I think that the one thing that I, I think, if we're sort of trying to put a positive spin on it, is that Callum, in terms of how he plays, is infinitely more direct than, than Eden. And, and what I mean by that is he has, has this or well, had this great ability to sort of slow the game down and then kind of speed it back up again and sort of play at his own pace. Whereas I think with Callum, what you're going to get is someone who wants to, you know, tighten on that, on that right foot of his and, and shoot and 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 score. And particularly when you watch him play at the academy level or for England in any age groups, you know, his ability to, not quite putting him up there with Ivan Robben, but I mean, for a right-footed player, you know, his ability to actually get a shot off is is pretty impressive. So I'm hoping that, that that's something that he can he can sort of add to the team. It's a little bit more of a a willingness to, to shoot a little bit more greedy in terms of trying to, trying to shoot as well. And again, I think we, we forget, he's, he's got a great crossing with both yeah. feet as well. So, you know, if you're using Giroud or if you've got Mishi in there, then I think you're, you're going to see maybe a few more earlier crosses or earlier sort of chances for people being created. So, you know, Hazard will be a, a massive miss, you know, he'll be a huge miss for any team if he leaves them. But I think um, Callum definitely has the, the potential to, to maybe not replace him in terms of star power yet, but I think that there's a gap there that he can fill in his own way, and that will be with his sort of directness and, and his his ability to play both ways as well. But yeah, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting season, and, and obviously we hope that he, he signs that
1: contract. Yeah, you better man. Um, very soon. Um, quickly, just one last question: top four, yes or no answer. Um, top four, yes or no meets. Um. No. Uh, Palumi. Yes. Joe? Yes. Yeah, I feel like yes too. Um, thanks for listening. This is Chelsea Hour. If you enjoyed it, cool. If you didn't and you're not a Chelsea fan, I don't care. Fuck you. <laughs> Alright, see you guys later. Nice one.
0: Uh that's easy. Cheers.